Please join me in taking up your Bibles this morning, if you would. Let's search the scriptures together this morning as we look for food from God's word, knowing that he has placed a banquet in every line, for his word is indeed, as the text we have been studying is living, it's powerful, and it is operative, piercing even to the separation of joints and marrow and soul and spirit. So let's read those words in preparation for the final portion of verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Pray with me, would you? Lord God, we bow before you. We make a humble request. Teach us, O Lord. For Lord, we can only come to Jesus Christ if we are taught by you, Father God. And we can only be sanctified and grow in maturity if we're taught by you and your Son, Jesus Christ, through the living word that we have in our hands and that he is. Bless the efforts of this preacher, Lord, that he might do so honorably before you and that the clarity that is needed would be there for your people to know and grow. And help your people, Lord, to have ears to hear and help this pastor to have ears to hear the very words which he is preaching, that we all might take another step in maturity, in our growth, but also another step closer to our comfortable and bold entrance into your presence with our great high priest Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we consider this high priest whom we confess and what to confess about him has led us to our progression to the throne of God. We started in fear lest we might fall short of the rest of God. We have been admonished to be diligent to enter the rest by belief. We've been called on to see the high priest and hold fast to the confession that we have of him and in him. And now we've been invited to boldly come before the throne of grace to boldly go there. We have been invited by God's call through this text, let us come therefore and let us come with an attitude of boldness to him. And for the destination that we come is a throne, but it is a throne that is a throne in which God has a desire to dispense. His intention of his heart is to give mercy from that place 
that he has given us and how wonderful it is to go and find these things there. We have opportunity to go because Jesus Christ, the high priest, goes with us. He has already entered. He's passed through the heavens. He's gone behind the holy veil in heaven, if you will, to the very glorious presence of God, and he has made offering. He has offered the correct sacrifice for the sin of all men. A sacrifice that is a one-time sacrifice, as we shall learn later in the book of Hebrews, but that allows us the right, the covering the covering from the blood of Christ to enter with him, a place where only one man once a year was ever able to go. We are to have bold expectations from his distributions. God's intentions, God's desire, God's throne is a throne of grace. He will distribute to those who come with Christ these two things. The purpose that we go is to obtain them. His distribution of mercy in time of need. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's an ongoing aspect of this approach to God. To do it again and again, to come before him again and again with Christ. There is a neediness that is displayed. There's times of need. And in the time of need, we need to know where to go and how to get there. How to get to that Father on the throne of grace is with Jesus Christ himself. And having gone there, we go there to obtain. This word to obtain is the Greek word lambano, lambano. I give that to you not because it's all that edifying to say things in Greek, but some words in Greek I just like the sound of, and so I like saying them. Lambano is the Greek root of this word, and it means to take to oneself, to lay hold upon, or take possession of. Hebrews chapter 5 will illustrate this in a little different wise in chapter 5 verse 4 where it says, and no man takes this honor to himself. And that is the honor of being a priest. No man takes this honor of being a priest to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. So the priest doesn't take it because he thinks he deserves it. He takes it because God has called him to take it. He called Aaron to be a priest. He called the sons of Levi to be the priestly tribe of Israel. They did not take it under themselves. God called them to it. In the same way, we do not come to God to get what we want because we want it and he better give it right now. We come because we're called. Let us therefore come. And we come not in virtue of our own merit, on our own standing, but on the standing of Jesus Christ, our high priest, who leads us into his presence. Therefore, we come to get what he has the desire to give us. We need to, secondly, then, understand this word, this root word, lambano, which can also mean to receive what is offered. 
to receive what is offered or not to refuse or reject. You don't want to refuse or reject what's offered, but to take it. And we do it in order to obey him. John 1 verse 12 illustrates the use of this word in this context by saying this, but as, en- as many as received him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe on his name. In the next verse, those who are called by God. You receive from him and you go to receive him because you're called by God. And in this text specifically, lambano is preceded by a Greek introductory word and it introduces to us something in particular, a purpose clause. The Greek term is hina, not henna, but hina. And whenever we see that, we realize that God is setting us up for a purpose. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain. That is a purpose. The purpose that we are being called there, the person that we reason we are being delivered there, is to obtain something. Our purpose is to go to receive what God willingly and desirously wants to give. A purpose statement. I am going to the throne of grace. And what are you after? Mercy. I'm after mercy. Many people are after many things, and if people were going to boil it down to one thing in the unsaved world, their purpose is generally singular. They're after money. Songs have been sang about it. Money, 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 money. Money's on people's minds all the time. Money is power. Money is comfort. Money is happiness, or so they might say. A purpose of pursuit of money, and I'm not saying that Christians should never pursue any money, but we should not pursue the love of money. And there's a big difference between money and mercy. What do we really want in life? What do you really, really, really need? Why are you a Christian, and where are you going, and what do you need? This text says, go for the mercy, leave the money behind. But how do you obtain it? How do you obtain it? How do you obtain this mercy? We could say simply in three points, by faith. How do you obtain mercy? By faith, emboldened by God's invitation in this text, therefore, or let us therefore come. We would obtain it, secondly, by our confidence in the disposition of God because his destination for us is a throne of grace. His prevailing inclination is to dispense grace and mercy from his throne of power. How do you go after mercy? So we go with our great high priest with one objective in our mind, or two, if you will. First, to obtain mercy. 
obtain mercy from God. There is a, a simplicity, even a childlike heart that needs to be here for how do we get to this throne of grace? We can't make it alone. If we put it in the sense of a child approaching, the child's request would be, well, I'm afraid to go to the throne alone. Jesus, will you come with me? Will you come with me? Which, of course, is the very reason why Jesus has been given the title Great High Priest. He's prepared to go with you. There was a, a tax collector who went into the temple in the Old Testament and Jesus uses him as a, as a parable. And he prayed to the Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He came into the temple of God and he was seeking to obtain something with purpose, mercy. So what is this mercy that it should become my purpose for approaching? What is it that would make it better than money? Please tell me, Pastor. Mercy. Elios. Mercy. Elios in the Greek, mercy. It is that of God and his attitude towards sinners, namely, compassion. Compassion. It is specifically, mercy is specifically not giving the punishment that is due. Withholding deserved punishment. Let me illustrate it this way. There's a tale that's often told of, of a mother of a soldier in the French army who had committed a crime and the consequences for that crime was that he was to be hanged. Used to be killed. The mother of this young man went to the commander of all the armies, whose name at that time was Napoleon Bonaparte. And she appealed to Napoleon Bonaparte on behalf of her son and said, Have mercy on my son, let him go. And Napoleon looked at the woman, he said to the woman, But he's guilty. And the mother said for her child, yes, he is. And that's why I beg for mercy. Mercy and desiring mercy is an acknowledgement that you are guilty. That you deserve to be punished. Yes, mom, I'm the one that broke the lamp. I deserve a spanking. Have mercy on me. It's only because you're guilty. And our text here, combined with Lombano, mercy and obtain has the idea of a need to experience something. That your purpose is to go before the throne of grace to experience the mercy of God poured out on you. 
The great commentator Linsky said, mercy is love that helps the wretched. The wretched. How does one become wretched? By being a sinner. How does one become a sinner? You're born. You're born a sinner, so you're all wretched. You're born in guilt. You're under the burden of sin. To approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy, there is a necessity to have a heart like the tax collector, a broken and contrite heart. It's the attitude of approach. We may come boldly, but we come boldly for the dispensation of God to pour out onto us the experience of Him having mercy on us. And we come boldly with Him accompanying us into His presence. We're seeking help from the very throne of God. There was a Pharisee in the parable of Jesus that had also come into the temple and he prayed. He, he prayed quite differently. Luke chapter 18, we read of him. And also Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That they were righteous and they despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's wretched and he knows it. Jesus said, I tell you, this man... This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be abased, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. We boldly come into the throne of grace, but by coming in boldly, we are not emboldened to think that we are self-righteous, but rather that we are in need of mercy and know it is there to be found. As Jesus is with us. In Psalm, the attitude that God desires from the heart of men is this. In Psalm 51, the Psalm of David's repentance from his sin with Bathsheba, he proclaims this truth down through the ages. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. When we come boldly, according to this invitation, to the throne of grace, we are coming boldly to receive, if you will, from God mercy because we are humbly approaching in contrition. 
Mercy is placed first in this text before even grace to stress our weakness. Our weakness. For we have been reminded that Jesus came as a man. Though he was God, he came as a man and in weakness was tempted at all points just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore he, therefore, he can be our great high priest. He can be our advocate. He understands our weakness. He gives us aid. We need to be reminded about God that even when he was devising the tabernacle for Israel to worship in, he constructed it according to a specific plan. And his specific plan for the holiest of holies was that in that area there would be an ark. And the ark was be, to be constructed very precisely and very specifically. And on the top of that ark, this was said in Exodus 25, 17. God said to Moses, you shall make a mercy seat. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Of hammered work you shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Verse 22 of Exodus 25, God goes on to say, And there I will meet with you. And I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. Generation after generation, after child after child, father after mother, would know that in the temple, on the top of the ark, the two cherubim with their wings stretched out above that and in that, was God's seat, which he called the mercy seat. There God wants to meet with us. Fallen man, wretched man, awful man that we may be, God says I've made a mercy seat. Come to me, I will meet with you. All those who come to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast out. And he will be faithful to lead us to the heavenly mercy seat of God. The question might be asked now, Pastor, that's really cool. But I've been paying attention and you've taught us hermeneutics many, many times. So how does this fit into our context of chapters 3 and 4? With the repeated warnings today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. How does it fit into that? Or be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall after the example of disobedience. How does the rest of God and the need to enter in fit in with this boldness to come before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace. Well, let us first remember that though the mercy seat 
was a seat of mercy. It was on the Ark of the Covenant. But God's presence was there in the tabernacle. The glorious presence of God was unapproachable by men through the entire history of Israel in the land with a tabernacle and a temple. And a heavy curtain was constructed according to God's plan to keep the glory of God at a safe distance from even the priests of God. And then only the high priest once a year could go in there to make atonement for the people with a blood sacrifice. We have to remember that there's always two sides to God. And two sides to God, even his throne. We need to remember the danger of the glory of God. The danger of the glory of God is punishment. But we remember as well, on the other hand, the delights of the glory of God, mercy and grace. And in the middle of these two, whether it be the danger of the glory of God and punishment or the delights of the glory of God, mercy, there is two options for every man, every woman, every child. There are two options for man. There is cowardice or confidence. There is cowardice or there is confidence. Cowardice. Remember we said, why does he keep saying this again? Today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Why did he use the example of Israel refusing to enter his rest? So God said, they shall not enter my rest. Punishment. God promised them a promised land. And when they got to the promised land, they sent out 12 spies. That's our context. It's bringing that back to the Hebrew mind. And 10 of those spies came back and said, we won't go, we can't go. They're giants, they're going to whoop us bad. We're like grasshoppers even in our own eyes. What must we look like to them? Don't go. And two, Caleb and Joshua said, we can do it. God said, let's take them, let's get in there, and put a whooping on them. Cowardice or confidence. Fear or boldness. Let us therefore come. With Jesus who's entered behind the veil. He's passed through the heavenlies. Are you brave enough to risk it? Are you brave enough to risk it knowing that the glory of God has broken out against man in punishment? And it is of such a great vibrance, brilliance, intensity that Humanity can't stand before it. Let me give you a couple of examples. Exodus, Exodus 40. Exodus 40, 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting. What? 
This is Moses. This is God's guy. This is Moses who went up on the mountain. And he came back with his face shining with the glory of God. This is Moses also who was on the mount with the burning bush and wanted to see God, but did God show him everything? No, God said, here I will, I'll put you in the cleft of a rock and I'll pass by and you will see the passing glory of God, not its direct glory. When the direct glory of God entered the tabernacle, Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. 1 Kings 8 has a similar situation. And it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. The Moses himself, God's chosen one, the, high, the priests themselves who were to minister before God, the glory was too great and they had to leave. God's glory is dangerous. When the Ark of the Covenant that had been foolishly brought to battle against the Philistines by Eli's rebellious, cowardly sons, the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant, killed Eli's sons, and then were stuck, struck with plagues until they returned it to Israel. They returned it on a, on a cart with an unbroke cow that had just given birth. And even separating her from her calf, she walked straight back to Israel. But then something happened. David went down to get the Ark of the Covenant, on top of which is a seat of mercy. A mercy seat. And what did they do? They decided to bring that Ark of the Covenant straight back to Jerusalem, and so they put it on a cart. Is that how they were supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant? It was not. Why didn't they get the acacia wood poles, put them back on there, get a bunch of Levites, and carry it according to the law? Only God knows. But the lesson learned that day was learned and an example was given by one wretch, Uzzah. With good intentions, when the ox stumbled and the cart tilted and it looked like the precious ark of God with the mercy seat of gold on top, he reached out his hand to balance that and not being a Levite, God struck him dead. The glory of God is dangerous. Failure to follow, God kills. Moses couldn't enter. The priests couldn't enter. Uzzah is dead. Can you imagine what the message we are reading today Sounds like in the ears of a Hebrew who understood those things his entire life. That approaching God's glory was a death sentence for a man. How could it be that now it would come boldly? 
to the throne of grace and find mercy. See, there's the danger of God and punishment, but then there's the delights of God when we come the way he said, with his son. We come boldly before the throne of grace with him, looking for mercy, and we find it. Listen to Isaiah. The proclamation of what our God is like is given here. In Isaiah 55, verse 1, it says, Ho! I should actually go louder than that to be do honor to the Hebrew. Ho! Listen! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. That should be the message to the people of the world today. Listen carefully, Isaiah goes on to say. He's speaking for God. God is saying, listen carefully to me. And eat what is good. And let your soul, listen, delight itself in abundance. Danger on one hand, the punishment of God, the delights of God on the other hand, in believing reverence. Incline your ear, God says, and come to me today if you will hear his voice. Sounds similar. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Listen, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Listen, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Not the variable mercies of David. Not the mercies of David that fail. The mercies of David. Not money. Why have money? Why buy things that perish? Come to me and have mercy. You see, mercy is a form of rest. Mercy is a form of rest from the burdens of carrying guilt and the foreboding spirit of punishment that is rightly deserved. Hebrews tells us that we were by nature children of wrath, just like the others. But he goes on to say, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And it is Peter who said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. There are dangers or delights. In the middle of these are two options for mankind, cowardice, or confidence. Cowardice looks like this in Hebrews 3, 16. For who having heard rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not those whose, whose sin and whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not Obey. 
So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. That's cowardice. That's fear. They would not go. Or confidence. Hebrews 3.12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily what is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is said today if you will hear his voice. You hear his voice, you come. When he says, let us come to the throne of grace and find mercy, then we say, I will come. I will come for mercy. I need mercy. He has mercy for me. To help in time of need. You're going to need mercy. Time to time. You're going to need the boldness of God to obey him. When you think you're not worthy to approach, remember, you're not. You're not approaching on the basis of your purity, your goodness, your worthiness. You are approaching with Christ who made you so. Therefore, come boldly. I think I'll talk about grace another Sunday. And let's pray. Lord, it seems mercy is enough for us to think about obtaining from you. Lord, I pray for each one here that they would each answer your invitation. For those who have not yet put their full faith and confidence in you, Lord Jesus, as Savior and Lord who paid the price for their sin, I pray you'd have mercy on them through the blood of Christ and do not give them the punishment for their sins that they are deserved of, but pardon them according to your mercy through Jesus Christ, the sacrifice who paid the price for sin. And for those of us who are yours, who are your sheep, who are prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. May we come boldly to the throne of grace knowing that it is your intention to dispense mercy to us by virtue of your Son, Jesus Christ. Bold, I approach the eternal throne with Christ Jesus, my own great high priest. We pray for this confidence in Jesus' name. Everybody join me in saying it. Amen.